Hi, I'm Mark Chavez. I'm one of the hosts of Let's Make a, a comedy docuseries podcast about the creative process. Each season, my co-hosts, Ryan Beal, Maddie Kelly, and I, take on an artistic challenge and you follow our journey. In Let's Make a Sci-Fi, we wrote a science fiction TV pilot. In Let's Make a Rom-Com, we wrote a romantic comedy film. And on our latest season, Let's Make a Horror, we produced a horror short film. And when we run into trouble, we interview Hollywood experts. People who have worked on big things like The Blair Witch Project, The Office, Star Wars, Mamma Mia, and more. All three seasons of Let's Make a are available now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Sorocha Coelho, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Today's guest is singer-songwriter David. If you've been scrolling on TikTok or listening to Top 40 Radio, maybe you've come across this song of his. I'm romantic homicide by the musician David. He spells it D4VD if you are looking for him online. And it is because of songs like this, really introspective lyrics all about love and loss, that visceral depiction of what it feels like to be a teenager right now that has had David being called the mouthpiece for Gen Z heartache. His musical star has just risen so quickly. His music has racked up hundreds of millions of streams. He's cracked the Billboard 100. And all of a sudden, he is on an arena tour with SZA, which is pretty good if you just imagine for a moment, this kid is only 18 years old. But what's really cool here is that David actually fell into all of this kind of by accident. He had no connection to the music industry. He didn't even have a drive to be a musician. He was just making music to soundtrack his YouTube videos about games. And then things just kind of went crazy. So the question is, how does a Fortnite gamer accidentally become one of the hottest musicians of the moment? David dropped by to tell Tom Power all about how it happened. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is weird. So I'm in Newfoundland right now, home for, for a, a visit. And you're in, how does the studio look without me? Does it look all right? I said it looks beautiful from the moment I walked in here. It's amazing. So um, I, I want to get a little bit of the story here. Uh, you started out wanting to be a professional gamer, right? Like Fortnite? Yeah, Fortnite, Call of Duty, everything. What was the, what was the goal? Honestly, it was just to become a professional and like go to be flew out to LA and all these different places to play, you know, World Cups and all these in-person events these land tournaments, making millions of dollars and all that kind of stuff. Were um, you good? Yeah. I was, bro. I was amazing. Like, Really? Yeah, I was really good. I was really good. So you were that good that you were already doing pretty good as like a Fortnite streamer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a, a decent amount of money that my mom was not mad at me for playing video games all day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was your mom who threw like, I, I would love if you can tell me this story. Yeah. Threw like a copyright violation your mom is the one who encourages you to make music at all. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, so um, I'm racking up all these views on my Fortnite videos on YouTube, playing Call of Duty, playing Fortnite 12 hours a day, not even getting my schoolwork done. I'm homeschooled at the time as well, so I had all the time in the world to play video games. And then on my YouTube uh, channel, I start to see these red money signs. I'm like, whoa, this has never happened to me before. What's going on? I start getting these DMCA strikes from artists and their labels and stuff like that. Um, demonetizing my videos and taking the revenue. So I was like, oh, man. So I asked my mom about it, and she was like, how am 
about you just make your own music and put it in the video? And I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a solid impression of your yeah, mom. Yeah, nah, that's how she sounded, but that's how she sounded in my head because like every time she would tell me to do something, like, clean your room, it sounded like that in my head. And then, uh, you know, I had a hard time listening to my mom. Like, And this is the first time I ever listened to anything she ever said. Sorry, mom, but yeah, I was a bad kid. And um, yeah, so the next day I looked up how to make music on iPhone. And this app called BandLab came up, and I used my little sister's closet as my studio. I tried, you know, making music in the kitchen. The echo was too crazy. Reverb was insane in the kitchen. I couldn't do it. So I put up these clothing pieces all around her closet to kind of suck in the sound, and then it sounded amazing. And I was just my Apple earbuds, too. It was like no, no professional mic, no nothing, just a phone and some earbuds in a closet. And I made my first song two days later um, named Runaway. And it's still up to this day on all platforms. And I kind of just honed my craft for the next month after Christmas. I skipped Christmas to make music. I was what do you make- mean? You skipped like Christmas dinner? Chris- yeah, Christmas dinner. I mean, obviously I have to open my presents, but I was like, all right, cool. That's whatever it is. And I went upstairs and I continued making music. Bro, it was insane. I was addicted. And then I released my second song in January called You and I. And I put that one in a Fortnite video and it took off. At the t- I remember it vividly. The title of the YouTube video was Making a Fortnite Montage with My Own Song. And it just went crazy. What does that mean when it went crazy? It got like millions of views? It didn't get millions of views, but it went crazy. Because Fortnite's big on Twitter, or yeah. now X. Yeah. And like all my Fortnite friends that were kind of bullying me for not being as good as them, they started using my song in their videos. So I was like, oh, this is how we're doing it today. And then, yeah, they just started using it in their videos and other people started using it in their videos and it kind of just grew like that. But just to be clear, when you tell me you're going into your sister's closet to record this music, like, were you a musician before? Did you play piano? Did you sing? Did you do anything like that? Yeah, it's always coming back to my mother. She forced me to play piano when I was seven years old. Forced me to do church choir when I was 13. I gave up on both of them because I was like, dude, I'm, I don't want to make music. Like, well, I don't feel like music is a thing. And then it didn't hit me until, you know, the Fortnite video game thing happened with the copyright strikes. And it was kind of a need. It was more me supplementing the video games than me actually having a drive to make music, to be honest with you. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mom. Let's, uh, let's listen to uh, the song you put out where everything kind of changed for you. Take a listen to this. In the That's David with Romantic Homicide. Is that in your sister's closet yeah. too? Yeah. It's insane. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> the, the, the thing I'm listening to right now is from, you recorded that on Apple headphones in your sister's closet. Yeah. Yeah. In right. under 30 minutes too. <laughs> That's where, the craziest where, part. Where did that come from? Um, so honestly, it's, when I was playing Fortnite, everything really ties back to video games. It's like video games was the center of my life at that point in time. And me being homeschooled, like I said earlier, it was like, I was living my life vicariously through all the people that I was coming in contact with in the game because I wasn't experiencing life for myself. 
Um, so I would get these these kids that go to video games like me to escape reality, and they would you know vent to me on these video games, and that would give me opportunities to kind of craft these characters around my songs and kind of write living through other people's lives. And then once things started actually happening to me, and I was actually experiencing you know forms of heartbreak and things like that, I was able to kind of grasp my lyricism and actually make it you know hit much harder because of the empathy that I was using through the other people. So romantic homicide is basically my life but then it's like a love letter to myself and saying that the old me has died and I don't even regret it kind of, it was like a, I was speaking to myself in that song which is I think is really cool I, I think it's a beautiful song I think it's a pretty amazing story that we're telling here because as I just said when I introduced you that song has like 770 million streams on Spotify right now um and you said, you know, yeah, my Fortnite video started to do well. And I said, millions? And you said, well, no, not millions. But, you know, they started to pick up. But then that song blows up and it does become millions. What's, what's, what's that like for you? Dude, it was insane. I mean, the first, um, the first day it came out, I think it did maybe 200,000 overnight when I released it in July. And then I told my parents about it that they thought I was getting scammed or getting bodied at one point. <laughs> it was so crazy just to see my parents' reaction too, because I kind of I sat them down. I said, yo, I have news. They didn't know what was going on. I kind of had my little PowerPoint presentation moment. This is happening. This is why. And this is how we can continue, et cetera, et cetera. And I pointed to my mom. I was like, this is your fault too. So you can't shut it down because you started this. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just a, a whirlwind for all of us. Well, listen, I don't want to make any assumptions, but like, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're, you're homeschooled. Like, it sounds to me like your parents are very protective of you. Yeah. And I, I can imagine this must have been a bit wild for them to have this happen to you. Super, super. I mean, like, they they didn't even know I was doing it. That's the thing, too. My mom told me to make music, but since I have a track record of not listening to her at all, she didn't know I was making music until, like, maybe around her time, Romantic Homicide Here With Me started doing well. So it was kind of like she found out about me making music the same time everybody else did. It is insane. Yeah. Were they happy? Were they happy about it? They were shocked. I couldn't even tell their first initial reaction because, like, they never experienced anything like this in their lives. Like, I have no, no musical background in my family whatsoever. So for this to happen, you know, not because I wanted to be an engineer at one point as well. For it not to be the career path that I had, you know, set out for and be something completely different, it was kind of just shock. Yeah, because labels are knocking on the door too, right? You know, yeah, exactly. People offering to fly me here, there, and everywhere. My parents are scared that I'm getting scammed, all this and that and the third. It was wild, bro. Did you did you buy him something nice? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom has always wanted a farm. So I got her six acres in Houston. Got her some horses. Oh, come on. Yeah, That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, she's out there, you know, farming away. She has a bunch of plants. She grows everything herself. She's big on like the environment. So she home grows everything she has. We eat everything out the garden. Your mom always wanted a farm and you bought your mom a farm? Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part of the story for me. Yeah, literally, I man. I love that. I love that. How are you feeling about like the the names that are people are putting on you? I mentioned the GQ called you. What is it? The mouthpiece for Gen Z heartache. Heartache. Yeah, I love it. Honestly, I feel like you know the the most inspiring thing to me is you know the listeners in the audience, the people that are getting inspired, the people that are getting to express their feelings through music and through different mediums of art, and people that are expressing their feelings through what I've created. And, you know, starting to create their own art as well. So if I can pave the way for kids that aren't access, that don't have access to, like, the big studios and mics and all that kind of stuff and showing them as possible from your closet on a phone, that's the, the best part for me.
One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk about you being not a... um not this like symbol of the next generation of musicians. So I want to play this song for you. Take a listen to this. So that's David and here with me. That's my favorite song by you, by the way. Oh, uh, no way. Good song. It is a good song. Yeah, that's my favorite David song. It's not my favorite. Ah, <laughs> my, my, my favorite is American Homicide, but I love it. I love Hairly too. Okay, well, it's my favorite. Um, it has hundreds of millions of streams, big viral moment on TikTok, and people soundtracking their videos, and, and a lot of people telling people like me, oh, this is the new, this is the new generation of musicians. And that very well may be true. But I said this at the beginning, and I want to talk about mm-hmm. it. There's something very classic about that. Yep. Something, there's something very 70s, 60s, 80s. Am I on to something here? You are definitely on to something. That brings me back to you know my mother and growing up in the household that I grew up in. I was not allowed to listen to anything other than classical music, jazz, and gospel until I was 13 years old. So that is going through my head every time I record. It's just all the things I was brought up on in my house. Like who? Like what? What music were you listening to? When Chet you Baker, a yeah. whole bunch of like classical, just piano uh, melodies. Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, just like classical jazz legends, bro. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper, "I love you." I love I love this I love because I, I heard that when I listened to the record I said there's something something old school about this guy so this is making sense you're growing up listening to Sarah Vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald and Chip <laughs> Baker like that's that that's where you're getting your music from exactly exactly I don't know if you'll have perspective on this but I'm gonna ask it anyway what's something that's really good about having a big TikTok hit and what's something that's maybe challenging about having a big TikTok hit. Uh, something that's really good about having a big TikTok hit is the exposure you get. Um, everybody loves the initial exposure, the new eyes. Uh, but then I think the hardest part is sustaining it because you have to feel like you have to live up to that. And it's it's become more about the virality than the music itself. Because back in the day, you know, you blew up one song and then it's like, oh, everybody's anticipating what's next. But then on TikTok now, it's like you make a song, it blows up, and then everybody's anticipating the next set of lyrics that can fit into a 15-second video that they can make a slideshow to and tell their story through. So it's like it's less about how good the music is and more about how much it connects on a specific platform, which kind of takes away from the authenticity a little bit. But I feel like there's ways to, you know, show your your authenticity through that. I just haven't figured it out yet. But, you know, the hardest part is just sustaining it, to be honest. Yeah, I heard a lot of people say that to me. A young Gravy said that to us. And then um, Steve Lacey, I, I read mm-hmm. this interview with him where he said that 
it was really, I think it was, I won't speak for him, but it was disappointing when he would go to concerts and people would be only be able to, be able to sing 15 seconds of one song. Yeah. It's tragic. No, I mean, it's not that bad, but for an artist that is sacred, about, like cares about the art that much, and to have your own fans sing only 15 seconds is, uh, that, I don't know, bro. Yeah, listen, let's, let's acknowledge that it's, gratitude is assumed. It's mm-hmm. nice to have someone singing your music at all. We we could all be working at, at Cracker Factories. Word. But it is also weird that 15 seconds of this four-minute song you wrote is the thing that everyone <laughs> yeah. sings along with. I think my motto this year has always been just like, expect nothing, appreciate everything. So if something happens, you know, I appreciate it. But if something doesn't go as planned, I'm not worried about it. And you're 18, right? Yeah, just turned 18. I forgot saying you're 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 doing great. I heard a story about you, and before we go, I was hoping you might tell it. That you played your first concert just a few months ago, yeah, and that was the first concert you ever went to. Yeah, dude, it's insane. Again, my parents very protective, homeschooled. Like I had not been to a concert ever until February seventeenth this year, and that was my own concert. <laughs> yeah. Your first ever concert is your own concert? Yeah, bro. It's crazy. How, what was it? How did it feel to be on stage? It was insane. I mean, like, it's, I didn't even, the thing is, I didn't even watch YouTube videos and be like, oh, how to perform, how to do stage presence and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, I felt like I was an audience member at the same time I was performing. So I gave the energy and they gave it back to me. And I felt like I was watching myself in third person, too. It was kind of a wild experience. And I had these sunglasses on, too, when I came out, so I didn't have to look at anybody in the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, it was insane. I just, you know. I kind of, because making music in my closet or my sister's closet, I should say, I don't really think about live. But now after playing all these shows, I'm thinking about how it would be received live and the call and responses and having people be interactive and involved in the process. And it's like, it's it's wild. It's crazy still. So Yeah. Did you end up going to a concert that's not yours afterwards? I did. The first show I ever saw of another artist was SZA at MSG. Uh, it's pretty good ago. for a first show. How yeah, was it? it was insane. Dude, like she was flying on like life rafts up there singing songs. I was like, dude, the, the, like the stage design was insane. I was taking so many notes, man. Um, and now I'm opening for a tour, which is crazy. I hope you can take a minute sometimes and realize how amazing all, all this is that, you know, because I'm sure that being homeschooled and having protective parents has its challenges. I, I hope you can take a moment and kind of go like, wow, look, this this really kind of worked out. Yeah, absolutely. I never, you know, I try to live in the moment as much as possible, realize how blessed I am. Like all the people around me are so amazing. The team I have, my parents, you know, I thought that being homeschooled was going to turn me into a hermit crab. But then it kind of, I was very social, um, socially awkward, you know, coming out of, of homeschooling. And I kind of, you know, readjusted myself to this. So it's, you know, taking it one day at a time and appreciating everything I have around me and just, you know, staying humble. You seem very socially well-adjusted to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, David, I can't say enough about you, man. I think you're a great songwriter. I got to tell you, when, this, is, this is an old person thing to say. When people come to me and they go, okay, this guy's like the new the new something-something, you know, I'm always like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and when I heard these songs, I was, I was seriously blown away. So c- congratulations, man. You deserve it. Thank you so much, bro. Watch the sun rise along the coast As we're both getting up I can't describe what I'm feeling Oh 
my goodness, my aching heart. Who is not yearning for that lost love from way, way back? That was David with Here With Me, D4, like the number four, VD is how he spells it if you're looking for him online. And before that, you heard Tom's conversation with David. He's got a new EP out. It's called The Lost Petals. And he's on tour right now. If you'd like to know where to find him, you can head to his website. It's D4, like the number four, VD.io. That is it for today's podcast. If you head over to our feed, you can check out our other conversation that we uploaded today. Jimmy Shaw and Emily Haynes of Metric drop by Q. I'm Saroja Coelho. I've been sitting in for Tom Power. Have a great day. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.